0: I just feel like a lot of the time we see the world through one view. I mean, mean, for example, when you see a world map, you see like a European version. But like the other day, I saw like an Australian version. It was like the entire world was upside down. I just (laughs) feel like that's how it is with books. It's just you get a different view of like the entire world, depending on what kind of book you're reading. And I just find it so interesting.
1: How important is representation of fiction? What responsibilities do schools have to represent not only their own student body, but wider society too?
2: One of the absolute joys of teaching English is is seeing students develop a a wider sense of perspective and develop their ability to empathise, right? They, They will probably never experience a fraction of the experiences that they read about, but in understanding characters, in following characters, in encountering those characters, those time settings, those those locations through literature, they can come to a sense of understanding. And if we, you know, if we really want our children to be citizens of a, a kind, globally connected, you know empathetic world then what better way to prepare them for that than to try and expose them to as many different ideas viewpoints perspectives as as we possibly can
1: that's alane's head of english alex smith and this is alane's rock on diversity in literature in this episode we'll be looking at what our school is doing to champion diversity and equality across both the english curriculum and library collection and what effects that has on our staff alumni and pupils
3: our ability to reach unity in diversity will be the beauty and the test of our civilization. Mahatma Gandhi.
1: Alex Smith goes into more detail about the problematic statistics behind the National English Curriculum.
2: There are some shocking statistics out there. Like At GCSE, fewer than 1% of children nationally will read or study a text written by a black female writer. Um, Nationally, at key stage three, so that's years seven to nine, nationally, um, 70% of novels studied by children will be written by men, 82% of them will feature a male protagonist. Um, And that's problematic, right, That is just so unrepresentative um, of, so unrepresentative of the children that we teach and the world in which they live. And one of the solutions and, you know, a lot of people say, oh, we've been dealing with this for years and years. You know, when I did my teacher training in the 90s, you know, this was we were talking about this. And yes, but it's still a problem. So obviously those conversations didn't go deep enough or the solutions that were found then haven't stood the test of time. Um, One thing I mean, I remember from doing my GCSEs when I was at school is that we studied poems from other cultures, and this was the way to diversify the curriculum, was to put it in a poetry anthology, to put non-white voices in a poetry anthology, to put female voices in a poetry anthology. Um, And okay, that did increase the diversity of the syllabus somewhat, but what message does it send when it's like, all the full texts that we're gonna study, they're by the men, they're by the white men and the smaller texts, the individual poems, the extracts, the short stories. That's where the women, that's where people, writers of colour, that's where they sit. Like mm-hmm. that, that just isn't a quality.
1: Before we hear more from Alex about how her team are diversifying the Allens English curriculum, librarian Esther O'Donnell and library assistant Ellen White talk about the 25 by 25 project, which aims to diversify fiction in the Allens library.
4: This is something that librarians have been talking about for quite a while, um, especially as more diverse authors are being published, which has only happened in the last couple of years. Um, and then Alex did a presentation on diversifying the English curriculum, and that kick-started us to have a look at our Alain's Fiction. Uh, the recommended target was 25% diverse by 2030, but we decided to be more ambitious and aim for 2025.
5: We're looking at five different criteria. Um, So we're looking at racial and ethnic diversity, religious diversity, diversity of gender and sexuality, um, diversity of uh, physical and neurological difference and socioeconomic diversity. So the first step to that is to audit our fiction collection to see where we stand currently. So we've asked the school community from our youngest pupils in year seven all the way through to our staff to fill in a short form. Just takes a couple of minutes about each book they read to help us determine which areas of our collection are a strength and which need improving if we want to hit that 25% goal. Every book is stickered when that book has been reviewed the stickers removed so that both the kids and ourselves have a visual record of which books have already been done. I think we're hoping to have the audit phase done by the end of the 23-24 school year so we can spend the next year working to make any improvements that need to be made successfully de-stickered somewhere in the region of six to seven hundred books, mostly thanks to the hard work of our lower and middle school pupils. We do need to work to keep the momentum up and build the pace so the next step is really rolling it out to our older pupils and staff members. Uh, The great news is that our pupils already enjoy a really diverse array of reading as it stands. Of the 474 individual books we had audited last term, about 44% qualified as diverse under our criteria Whilst it doesn't necessarily reflect the content of the whole library, and we expect that number to drop down as we get deeper into the collection, um, it's reassuring to know that, one, this project is worthwhile because it clearly reflects our pupils' desires to read diversely and that they have an appetite for reading more diversely, and two, that our pupils are outgoing, empathetic and engaged with the world around them.
1: Star readers Eva and Claudia from Year 9 and Juliet and Gabriella from Year 8 talk more about why the 25 by 25 project is important to them.
6: I think that, like someone gave the analogy, books can be windows or they can be mirrors. So if you're someone who comes perhaps from a country that isn't the UK, to have a book about that or like a queer person being able to read a queer book, it's something, sometimes it's nice to see yourself in a book and sometimes it's interesting to see other people in a book. So it's good to have a good mix so you're not just reading about the same kind of people over and over.
3: I just think it's important to be able to read a book where you can see characters like yourself or characters that you like rather than characters you feel like you should be more like.
0: I don't really have anything different but if you're reading a book to sort of get away from reality you don't want to be seeing the same things and also it will be a bit boring if you always read books where they have the same sort of characters in them because then you'd just be seeing the same thing again and again.
1: Whilst tackling our library as a school effort, providing curriculum resources to support more diverse literature, comes with its own challenges for our English teachers, as Alex Smith explains.
2: We've taught for this year for the first time, leave-taking in year 10, which is a play written by Winston Pinnock, and that has replaced for some classes Not everyone has done it yet. That has replaced a good old favourite and Inspector Calls, which is a fantastic play. Goes down really well. It's got some really important messages about equality and social responsibility and so forth. It's very dramatic. You know, it really captures people's imaginations. They love studying it. So when you're putting something new on the syllabus, there is often a bit of there's a sacrifice you know something else has to go and it doesn't mean that that thing was bad or wrong or anything but you know you've got to make the space somewhere. Some classes this year did leave taking and there was there were mixed feelings about it amongst parents and students. Um, Some were concerned that this is a newer text there are fewer revision guides out there you know there are fewer things available online and and so forth. because, you know, an inspector course has been studied for decades. Anything that was ever going to be written about it has been written about it. Whereas there there is less out there on leave taking. And so that's where, you know, hundreds of hours of teacher time has to go into creating the resources to plugging the gaps. And we can't do that for every text all the time. So that's why inevitably the kind of pace of change is perhaps not as quick as sometimes we'd like it. Or we can't just take a chance on a particular text, especially for those exams. So for the exam board's we are somewhat limited, but where we can make space for our own choices, we we jump on those opportunities. So for A-Level, for example, the coursework element allows us quite a lot of free choice as long as the texts are all written after 1900 and one of them is written after 2000 and between the three of them, they cover the three genres of poetry, prose and drama. We do actually have quite a lot of free choice. So that's where... Although it's not a requirement of the exam board, we as a department have decided to make it a requirement of our choices that at least one of the coursework texts at A-level is written by a writer of colour. And so we've been able to explore all sorts there. Um, for example, Andrea Levy's Small Island is a really popular choice. The novels of well Sam Selvin's Lonely Londoners has, has gone down really well there. White Teeth, Sadie Smith's White Teeth. So there've been a lot of opportunities for us there to explore other texts. Um, And not just writers of colour. We taught our first text by a non-binary author for the short coursework last year, Kay Tempest's collection of spoken word poetry, Let Them Eat Chaos, which is amazing. So that's an area where we do have a little bit more more choice. Key Stage 3, we probably have the most flexibility because that's where we're not following any other organization's kind of specifications and those statistics that I said to you before about you know the number of of texts authored by men or featuring male protagonists at Key Stage 3 I mean it's just it's wild to me that 82% of Key Stage 3 novels feature male protagonists but we 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 work really hard to to balance that or to create a better balance so we're pretty much 50-50 Uh, at key stage three in terms of full texts authored by cis male cis female authors so in year eight for example they do the woman in black by susan hill and then they'll go on to study uh, a play the statistics for full-length drama texts written by women are even lower than full-length prose texts. it's it's mad Um, i think because a lot of times shakespeare bumps up the numbers but actually even then if you think about some of the most common kind of Authors that people or playwrights that people study, it's like Arthur Miller, for example, you know, um, Tennessee Williams, really popular at school. And yeah, just lots and lots of men, essentially. <laughs> so so, yeah, those are, that's the kind of what we do at different places in the school. We just try and make really conscious decisions that, um, you know, it's, it's just really important that the children experience a much wider range of voices than than is the norm. And sadly, still
1: is the norm. Alumnae Jemima Ward, Dustin's 2022, gives her insight into how Alain's offered more space for studying diverse literature outside the confinements of the curriculum.
7: Alain's embraced diversity in literature most obviously outside of the classroom. Um, and that's not to say that we didn't study a variety of authors. But as far as embracing literary diversity, I always felt that more emphasis was placed on that. Or maybe maybe there was more space, more time for that in societies or extracurricular spaces generally. Um, it definitely came from within the department and from the school. But I suppose when you're not limited by a syllabus or exam spec, there's always going to be more um, opportunity for diversity and for celebrating the full range or more of the full range of literature out there. Um, and I suppose that also goes to show that when given the choice, that was where our attention is so often drawn to uh, at and and beyond. Uh, it also may be that the texts one studies throughout the time at school is largely down to not coincidence, but each class study different texts. So if you happen to be um, in a class studying, say, Lord of the Flies, when another was studying To Kill a Mockingbird, and then the next year you happened to be studying Jekyll and Hyde, when another was studying Pride and Prejudice, you, by chance, come out having studied different texts. And that's not just a that's all the way through. Um, you know, I know that I studied a different range of texts to some of my friends, and that could also play into how diverse your experience of studying English just happened to be. Um, but I was lucky in that I had such great teachers that any gaps left by specifications or... Whatever, we're filled outside of the classroom.
1: Our star readers tell us more about what they've learned from taking part on our library's 25 by 25 project.
0: Lots of the books were either very diverse or not at all diverse, <laughs> yeah. which wasn't great because you'd want more of a mixture and a range of it. Well, I mean, ideally all the books would be diverse, but you don't want to just see the ones where authors have made it as diverse as possible and then the ones where there's nothing you can say about them.
6: Yeah, I found it quite weird because I read lots of different queer fiction and then I was filling in like my favourite books and they were looking terrible because they were all like Eva Ibbotson from absolutely years ago before that kind of thing was talked about. So they looked really bad on the form and I was kind of writing the explanation. These are really good books. They just don't, they don't sound very diverse. <laughs> but it's quite funny, the mix of, kind of the books that I love and then the books that I kind of treasure that don't talk about that kind of thing at all separately
0: one thing I found hard is because I read a lot of fantasy books it was very hard to fill in some of the questions when it was like what religion are they and it's like well it's this made-up one in another world (laughs) but I suppose you could say it's fairly it's like a version of this religion in reality so it is kind of diverse but in a different way
6: definitely not a mirror there (laughs) more of a window (laughs)
3: Uh, oh, it also kind of made me want to read more, more different books because as I was filling in the questions and I got to the author bit, and it was like, oh, they're all, like a lot of the authors I was reading were just like straight white males, so I started reading different ones, and that was quite nice.
1: It's pleasing to report diverse characters have made it into our star readers' favourites.
0: Nina Zennick from Six of Crows because she's just she's like an unapologetic character and I don't want this to be one of the reasons but I think she was the first character in a book where I read about where there was actual plus size representation and she wasn't ashamed of it and it's nice especially because this is such a body conscious world and she was just who she was and she didn't care what other people thought which is nice.
3: Charlie Hunter from the Bodyguard series because she's such an independent person and she seems kind of Far away, what happened to her was she was one of the best bodyguards and then she went on one mission and she ended up losing the use of her legs on that mission. But she still continued to be like a leader and a very inspiring person.
4: And I really like her.
1: For other school libraries looking to roll this project out, Esther and Ellen have some tips.
4: We need whole school involvement. Uh, librarians cannot read everything, though we do read a lot. And English staff were crucial um, here including the audit in their work schemes and reminding pupils to fill in the forms. So we had a lot of support from the English department. We still do. Uh, Set realistic targets. We thought that it would be quite good if pupils audited six books a year. So that was just one book a half term. Um, And we thought we'd reach our goal, but obviously we've had some star reviewers who've exceeded that. Um, Ellen's created a leaderboard so that we have a bit of inter-form and inter-house competition going, and we reward uh, people who've got more done, more than six books with a special badge, and that gets given out at assembly. So that sort of is a nice incentive and reward for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, And it it has started really good conversations with our pupils uh, when they return books or when they borrow books. So it it does get a really lovely dialogue going in the library.
5: I think that um, just if other schools want to look at it, to not just think about their collection, but also the sort of satellite things into that. So things like your displays ensuring that you're looking at not just things like Christmas and Easter when you're making displays, but Hanukkah and and, and holy and, and other religions and and thinking about all these different ways you can incorporate diversity and being mindful of things. So for example, we currently have a multicultural display up and a display up for LGBTQ History Month. Um, but also just when we're looking at these more Um, broad displays, things like we have a Valentine's display up, making sure we have that LGBT representation, that all of the faces that are represented by the covers aren't white, that sort of thing. And then when we think about our reading groups and clubs, we have Year 7, Year 8 and Middle School, making sure the choices that we make for those clubs are informed by making sure the kids get a real breadth in their reading and that they aren't just... Reading the things that 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 immediately strike them as popular, and making sure that we're doing that work to get deeper into the collection and yeah. find more things.
1: Our star readers offer words of encouragement to fellow staff and students who want to take part in the Twenty Five by Twenty Five project.
6: I meet a lot of people who say they don't read, and I just don't understand that. I always try and make you know constructive book recommendations, and if you don't read, you don't not read. You just haven't found the right book. So. If you do read, then you might as well try and fill out the form because it doesn't take that long once you kind of know what you're doing. And if you fill out a couple of books by the same author, then the author section gets really easy to do. And, you know, it doesn't take as long as you think. When you first see it, you're slightly daunted by all the questions, but it's not too bad and it's fun to fill out. It's nice learning stuff about the author and their background.
3: I would say that reading is a really great thing and if you say you don't like to read, like you said, you probably haven't found the right book and you're definitely missing out. And if you read maybe larger books and not as many, it doesn't really matter if you only feel in like two forms or one form even, as long as you've like participated and you're reading.
1: We hope this podcast inspires you to pick up a book and read for pleasure or purpose. For those at aliens, please visit our library to learn more about how you can take part in the 25 by 25 project. As Albert Einstein said,
3: We must not only learn to tolerate our differences, we must welcome them as the richness and diversity which can lead to true intelligence.
1: We hope you enjoyed our first episode from Series 2 of Alain's Rock On, Diversity in Literature. Don't miss an episode, subscribe to our channel wherever you get your podcasts. With thanks to all staff, students and alumni who made this podcast possible, narrated by me, Raf, and produced and edited by Sarah McGee, and final edit by the Bonjour Podcast Agency.